For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition, a brand new week of Over the Line. And wow, what an exciting weekend it has been for the news cycle. And um, everybody this morning wants to talk about the Super Bowl. How about the Super Bowl of politics in Virginia, the standoff between Democrats, between Democrats and themselves. I live for that kind of stuff. When Democrats have this infighting going on, that's that's my Super Bowl. That's what I love. I live for that stuff. We got a lot to talk about on that front because most of it popped off after our last episode last week, so we didn't get a chance to to hit on it. But there's plenty to talk about, especially today. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sticking with my prediction that I made on Friday on Twitter. You may have seen it. That Governor Northam from Virginia will resign by the end of the day. By the end of today, he will resign. He won't have a choice. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, Super Bowl last night, it was... Here's the thing. The Super Bowl itself, the the, the actual game aspect of it... Um, I think it was a boring for a lot of people, especially those that didn't have a dog in the fight... The, the NFL had recovered this year, recovered some of their ratings for two reasons. One is because the kneeling had mostly stopped. 
and we could quit talking about um, millionaire uh, people that get paid millions of dollars to play a game uh, protesting against police, okay? Protesting against police, which is what people had. Uh, they were The waters got muddied on, on why people were against the kneeling and the national anthem. Of course, it was disrespectful to the country, but uh, the basis behind it was to protest police, the the guy that started it, Colin Kaepernick, was was very derogatory with his um, pigs dressed up in, in police uniform socks and all this kind of stuff. It's just, it wasn't good. Did not help the NFL whatsoever. And they knew that. And then Roger Goodell, who is probably the most awful decision maker of all time, was literally caught between a rock and a hard place where he couldn't wiggle his way out and, and give a win to both sides of this. Uh, he needed to give, or he felt like he needed to pander to his players, but he knew if he didn't pander to the fans that he would no longer uh, be the commissioner of the NFL. And it'd be over with. And the NFL would crash and burn. Anyway, that stuff stopped. And so NFL started uh, getting some of their ratings back. But another big part of why people were gravitating back towards the NFL was because there was a lot of offense going on this season. There was high-scoring games all throughout the season. People like that kind of stuff. People like to see uh, a game that is 45 to 52 or whatever. You don't see that. You don't uh, hardly ever see that in NFL because basically you've taken the best of the best football players and put them all in one league. So the obvious outcome of that is probably low-scoring competitive games. That wasn't the case this year, and, and it just uh, it brought a lot of people back. They like it. They, they thought it was exciting. It was, it was fun to watch the NFL once again. And then we get to the Super Bowl. And we're in the third quarter. And it's three to three. And then it goes ten to three with seven minutes to go in the entire game. We're at the seven-minute mark in the fourth quarter before somebody scores a touchdown. And then the Patriots obviously kick a field goal and uh, go up by 10, thus winning the game, blah, 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 blah. Uh, congrats to the Patriots, first of all, but I hate the Patriots. I hate seeing them win. Tom Brady's got six Super Bowl rings, whatever. Who cares? One thing I did find odd, just, um, again, on the sports side of it, is that the Patriots, and especially Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, seemed extra emotional about this win. More so than any other win that we've seen them garner, and I don't really, couldn't put my finger on why. Because Tom Brady came out before the game and said, there's 0% chance I'm retiring no matter what the outcome of the game is. So that seems to be a thing where he's not going to retire. It's not like it's his last game. But maybe it is. But he says it wasn't. So, that leaves you to ask the question, why Why so emotional? It's the sixth Super Bowl ring. The sixth, the, the sixth Super Bowl, the, the sixth championship, which ties the longest running with the Pittsburgh Steelers, if I'm not mistaken. It's not like they broke the record, although I'm sure they will very soon. 
so I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I'm sure we'll find out soon. But uh, the Super Bowl was meh. Especially if you're not a Patriots fan. And uh, the commercials, which, you know, a lot of us get excited about watching the Super Bowl commercials. I didn't really like any of the commercials either. The best one they had, which I, I did like, was the the commercial where they had all of the old NFL guys in the uh, award ceremony or whatever. And then they break out into basically a backyard football game type of deal. I thought that was pretty good. It was uh, That was funny. The rest of them? I can't even really put my finger on one in particular. That was like, ah, that's kind of good. Except the Walmart pickup. The Walmart pickup uh, commercial was okay. But it wasn't good. It was just okay. So commercials were lame. Game was lame. And um, that's that's about it. That's about everything from the Super Bowl. What was funny is watching some of our beloved... Media outlets try to find anything and everything they could to uh, make absurd claims that tie back to the Super Bowl. In particular, CNN, and I posted this on the Over the Line Facebook page. If you haven't added that, please go do so. CNN puts out uh, a tweet that says, Why are Adam Levine's nipples fine for air? But 2004's wardrobe malfunction made Janet Jackson a pariah for years. That's the question some fans are asking after the Super Bowl. <laughs> CNN posted this, by the way. Um, they're referring to the halftime show, Maroon 5, Adam Levine, the lead singer. Uh, halfway through his set, he rips his shirt off and starts uh, gyrating his hips in front of a bunch of screaming women. In the middle of a football field. And uh, CNN's concern is uh, why is it okay for Adam Levine's nipples to be on TV? But not, not Janet Jackson. That's amazing. <laughs> this is CNN. You remember those commercials? This is CNN. That is CNN right there. That's what CNN concerns himself with. Go, go figure. Uh, another one was uh, the Daily Beast put out a tweet yesterday talking about the Patriots and, and the people that support the Patriots. The Daily Beast tweets this. Their star quarterback, coach, and owner all supported Trump. But that's not the only thing that makes the Patriots the preferred team of white nationalists. And it posts this picture of a very angry Tom Brady. Very angry Tom Brady on the obviously he's he's calling a play in the middle of a game, but uh it makes him look like he is just in maybe he's yelling at a black person or something. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, that's the that's the Super Bowl for you. That's my complete analysis of the Super Bowl and what happened last night. And that's all I got. What's more important, though, is what's happening over in Virginia. And this thing has been absolutely riveting from the start. 
I am loving every bit of it. So, oh, I forgot. There was one, the worst Super Bowl commercial, and I was just reminded of this by a tweet from Donald Trump Jr. The Washington Post, in their commercial, they aired towards the end of the game. It starts off showing clips of reporters out in the field, Jim Acosta, Anderson Cooper, even a couple Fox News people like Brett Bayer, and it, it talks about how important information is for, um, for the American people and how important of a job the, 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 the reporters do for these mainstream networks, how important what they do do, is to get to the information to us, the American people. And then it starts going through the dangers that these reporters go through. And I don't want to demean or diminish the dangers that some go through because some of them get sent to freaking war zones. But it starts going through the list of reporters that have lost their life while um, on the job or just in general. And uh, it goes one after... I think it showed three or four. The Khashoggi guy, I think, showed up at the end, which we know they tried to basically pin the Khashoggi death on Donald Trump, more or less, like they do everything else. But that was by far the worst Super Bowl commercial I've ever seen. And here's the thing. As I mentioned at the beginning, I felt like we finally got the politics out of our football. And here's the Washington Post bringing it on back. Thanks, Washington Post. Thanks a lot. Anyway. So that, that really is all I've got on the Super Bowl. i got to get into this stuff with uh, the, the governor of Virginia. Also the... Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, who, as you know, would be the next in line to to take that spot in the event that the Governor of Virginia decides to step down. Um, He's got some problems of his own. We'll talk about that. We'll also explain, and I know a lot of you guys probably already know what's going on. If you're listening to this show, you already know what the deal is, and, and you've been following all weekend. But we'll break it down. We'll give you the timeline, and then we'll kind of lay out what's next who's saying what what's what's next what are we going to do so on and so forth we'll do all that on this episode of over the line make sure you check out the website that is correct over the line show.com make sure you sign up the merch store is coming very soon i know you're like but andrew you keep saying the merch store is coming it's coming i'm telling you it is on the way and you'll be able to purchase a lot of things a lot of different things they're on OverTheLineShow.com. Also, subscribe to us on your favorite social media or, or, or podcast platform. Whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, Google Podcasts, all those places. We are there, so hook it up. When you subscribe, you get a notification every time we post a new show. It's a good tool to have. Over the line, Andrew McLean, your Monday edition, February 4th, 2019. Y'all hang tight.
president of Mexico yesterday, or the ex-president, whatever, whoever, he said, we will not pay for the wall, even consider paying for the wall. So who's going to pay for the wall? Who's going to pay for the wall? Who's going to pay for the Who's going to pay for the Who's going to pay for the wall? yesterday and they said the president of mexico said they will not under any circumstances pay for the wall they said to me what is your comment i said the wall just got 10 feet higher it's true Over the line, over the line show.com. For those of us watching on the live stream on the YouTubes, we had uh, a situation happen where the stream just crapped out. So, my apologies. We got that situation fixed, but it's a hassle when it happens because then everybody's got to go somewhere else to watch the live show. Whatever you do, just go to the Overline Show Facebook page and uh, share the video. 
since Mark Zuckerberg is uh, in the business of suppressing YouTube videos, which, you know, they don't want, uh, they don't want people to share links from other websites. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's almost like when we were in the radio business, everybody was always against, like, don't mention another radio station's name on air. Like, the people listening don't know who that other radio station is or other radio show. Like, they're not stupid. <laughs> they know who Rick and Bubba is. There's there's no need to not mention uh, John Boy and Billy or whatever. You know? It's so dumb. So Mark Zuckerberg's that person. And maybe one day we'll have a situation where we're streaming on a different service and make it easier. I've had a lot of people suggest we move to different platforms like uh, Twitch or something like that. And maybe we should do that. Maybe we should try that out sometime this week. I'll see what we can pull off. But nonetheless, we're here, we're live, and uh, we're also on uh, podcast. So that's what you got. That's what you got right now. Anyway. Again, overthelineshow.com. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter. And new people sign up for that newsletter every day. I don't know how many people we've got on there, um, but there's a lot. And for those of you that, that haven't signed up and you're like, I don't want to sign up for something that's going to uh, you know, clutter my email, my inbox, don't worry. That's not going to happen. We are probably uh, the only newsletter that uh, sends no emails. Like, if we, if we send you an email, it's just going to be pretty important. It's not to give you Andrew's talking points of the day. Because uh, I'm sure, pretty sure you don't need that. Nobody needs a, a follow-along sheet uh, for the show. No need in all that mess. All right, let's get into this Virginia stuff. And I'm telling you, here's what I'm doing. I, I'm, I'm watching uh, for any press conference at any given time. And this is not, this, this is not any kind of... Uh, CNN at Roger Stone's house inside tip that I've got. This is just a gut feeling that at any given time, the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, could resign. Because I still feel like this is the day. He's going to resign. So let's break down the uh, uh, the time timeline of what happened. So Friday... It comes out that uh, there's a yearbook, and within this yearbook, let me uh, let me pull it up on my on my computer here, so I can I can follow along at this point. Uh, this was in his college days. He was in medical school, and it was his section of the yearbook where it says Ralph Sharon Northam. It's got a couple pictures of him, a picture of him with a with a car. Uh, picture him in a, a cowboy hat. And then over to the right, um, there is a picture of one person wearing a Klan outfit and another one wearing uh, blackface. <laughs> which is... Which is a bit shocking. Especially when we're talking about a... Um, uh, a person that holds a tremendous amount of power for one of the 50 states in this country. Under the picture, it just says Alma Mater, Virginia Military Institute. His interest is pediatrics. 
Uh, <laughs> they should have put uh, pediatrics as long as it's not black children. Uh, his quote says, there are more old drunks than old doctors in this world, so I think I'll have another beer. Mm. Now, didn't we, didn't we just finish um, hammering a Supreme Court justice nominee for drinking beer? You remember the Kavanaugh stuff? I like beer. I'll never get that out of my head either. Uh, <laughs> Kavanaugh saying, I like beer. Over and over and over. And there was a song. Somebody did uh, the <laughs> the Kavanaugh, uh, <laughs> Kavanaugh saying, I like beer. But it was, uh, what was it? It was the uh, Van Halen song. Panama, but instead of Panama, it was Kavanaugh. I wish I could find it. I'd play it for you guys. If I come across it, I'll, I'll throw it out there. We used to play it on this show. I think we played it in some of the early days. It was so funny. So funny. Anyway, if I find it, I'll let you know. Uh, But we hammered him. Oh, uh, I say we. Liberals hammered him for not only drinking beer in high school, and things that were in his yearbook, but for things that were not proven, and there was no way to prove them at all. And he got hammered. Absolutely hammered for this stuff, to the point that these people were trying to ruin his life. And now you've got some, not all, but there are still some Democrats out there that are... Still sticking up for him. And they're doing it in this way. They're doing it... They're doing it by... Placing the blame somewhere else. They're doing it by completely ignoring what he's done here. Or what he did in the past. And pointing the finger at Donald Trump. It's their favorite tactic, as we know. I found the Kavanaugh thing, by the way. Listen. This is... <laughs> this is so good. Hold on. I gotta... I don't even know what I'm doing right now. Alright, here we go. I drank beer with my friends. Sometimes I had too many beers. I liked beer. I still like beer. One beer, drink beer, drinks beer, drank beer, and drinking beer. Have some beers. You like beer, Senator? Um, what do you like to drink? Beach weed, drinking beers. Growing up, I really like beer. One more, oh, we better make it four. Gal alumni, I would never lie. Don't you know I don't with friends, which I gladly do, and which I fully embrace. That is so good. <laughs> That's all I can think of when the Kavanaugh stuff comes up. Anyway, Kavanaugh has nothing to do with this, but it's just ironic that here we are, uh, some months later, I don't even remember how long back uh, the Kavanaugh thing was. Sometime last year. Um, 
this dude was ripped apart for daring to drink beer in college to to play drinking games. And now their ultimate goal was not to wear him out for drinking beer. Ultimately, their their goal was to prove that he was in a drunken stupor throughout his college years. Somehow, you know, graduated school and and became a uh, a, a very successful judge. Uh, but the, he was in a drunken stupor throughout all of his college years, and uh, it proved, because he was drunk, that he sexually assaulted and raped multiple women and was a part of uh, a gang rape trains. That was, that, was, that was proof. Essentially saying that anybody that likes to get drunk is a rapist. That's the precedent they set. But just remember, remember how they were treated, or how he was treated, when his nomination for being a Supreme Court justice was up. That's all I want you to remember while we go through this, this Ralph Northam thing. And I want you to compare the two sides. So we, we've, we've gone over Kavanaugh, you, you remember what that was like, and now we've got... Ralph Northam, who is a guy, and, and you, some of you guys probably remember us talking about this on the radio, a guy that put out ads against his opponent, Gillespie, the Republican, depicting a guy, an old white guy in a pickup truck, who was driving... With a, with a Gillespie bumper sticker on the back, had a Confederate flag on it, and he was chasing down, this old white man in a pickup truck, he was chasing down minority children, insinuating that that's the kind of thing that would happen if Gillespie became the governor of Virginia. Vote for me, don't vote for him, because if you vote for him, uh, he's obviously a racist, and he empowers racists like the president does, and if 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 he takes uh, the the office at the Capitol, then we'll have all of our minority children being run over by pickup trucks. It was one of the most disgusting uh, political ads that I have that I've ever seen. It really was. So he pulls those stunts and and he caught a lot of heat for it not on his side because they love that kind of stuff he depicts Gillespie in that way and then we get to this point where he is shown that he is a blatant racist now you have to ask yourself for the Gillespie camp when he was running for governor we have to assume that he had people do an opposition research for him right um, how did they miss this yearbook thing? How in the world, how in the world did they not find this? Because it seems like, especially since yearbook stuff is in the back of everybody's mind, again, because of the Kavanaugh stuff, but how did his opposition research team not even go through his college yearbook? Because it's obvious they didn't. That thing would have popped out at somebody. And they would have said, whoa, I think we might want to put this out to the people of Virginia. They may want to know the guy they will possibly elect 
is uh, wearing blackface and or wearing a clan outfit. It's kind of a big deal. No matter what the time frame is, it's kind of a big deal. Now, if Northam would have kept his mouth shut about the abortion stuff, because that's honestly, that's when all this started. Do you remember last week uh, during the discussions about abortion and coming on the heels of, of the laws that New York has passed pertaining to abortion? There, there was a, a new legislation being introduced in Virginia to expand abortion to basically the time of birth, or actually right after birth. So post-birth abortions was being introduced. On the same day, the same legislator introduced another bill to actually save caterpillars. But that's just a side note. So that legislation gets introduced. It's defeated by one vote. It gets introduced. Brad, uh, Brad, Ralph Northam goes on a local uh, radio show, and he is asked about said bill. And in a very calm, cool, and collective way, using very professional terms, medical terms, whatever, he proceeds to talk about how he supports that legislation and how it's not a big deal that uh, uh, if the mother happens to give birth uh, and we just set the baby over to the side on the table, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's perfectly fine for the, the, the mother and the doctor or several doctors to ensue in a discussion about whether or not to abort the baby at that point. So give birth, then decide if you want to abort the baby. Because, you know, it might not have the, the, the color hair you wanted it to have. You might have uh, gotten a, a, a wrong prediction on the gender of the baby. Maybe they thought it was a girl, but uh, the baby just had uh, small parts. Or had them tucked where, where the doctor couldn't see them during the ultrasound. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I expected a girl... I mean, I, and, and you've given me a boy, so uh, I think we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and axe this one. It's disgusting. Anyway, so he engages himself in supporting that bill, catches all kinds of heat because you can imagine how absolutely horrifying it would be if that were to actually be the law of the land in Virginia, and it would spread like wildfire all across the country, how horrifying that would be. And he's just cool with it. So people lose their mind, and some people, I assume, set out to destroy this man, who is obviously an extreme radical leftist that wants to murder babies. There's, there's a lot of people in this country still that aren't going to put up with people killing babies. They're just not going to do it. So they did the work that the Gillespie Opposition Research Team should have done, and they went through his yearbook, and they found old blackface and Klansmen. Now, immediately, Northam comes out and says, Whoa, whoa, I forgot all about that. I'm so sorry. It's unacceptable. 
we're going to make sure that, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to make this right. I'm going to make it up to the American people or the people of the Commonwealth of Virginia and regain their trust and blah, 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 blah. Not pointing out the hypocrisies during the campaign of accusing his opponent of running over minority children in a pickup truck with a Confederate flag. And then a couple days later, after getting into the room with some advisors, I assume, that give really bad advice, he decides to come back out and say, you know what, I don't even think that's me in those pictures. After admitting that it was. He admitted that he's in those pictures. And now he's coming back and say, that's, you know what, that's not me. I don't recall being in those pictures. They just happened to, in my section of the yearbook, happened to just throw up the most racist picture in all of the yearbook. And by the way, what kind of medical school is this where it's acceptable to, uh, <laughs> to, to put that kind of picture in there? It seems uh, just seems a little odd. Now, I'm kind of looking, and here's the thing. I, I'm going back to this because I want to make a larger point. But uh, as I said, I expect Northam to resign by the end of the day. Why? Because he's catching so much heat, especially from Democrat presidential contenders, people that have already announced they're running for president on the Democrat side. They're calling for him to step down. There are several reporters. One I, I, I can think of off the top of my head I saw this morning was April Ryan, who is a CNN White House reporter. She's the, she's the black chick that always gives Sarah Huckabee Sanders a hard time at the White House press briefings. She's calling uh, very uh, profoundly, calling for him to resign, as well as many others. But there are still tons of people that are supporting this guy. And their reason is, well, Donald Trump's a racist, so we're not gonna let the we're not gonna let the Republicans win this one. They think it's a smear campaign. They think it's a smear campaign to just get this guy out of office because he's a Democrat and not because he's a baby killer that wears blackface. He's a racist baby killer. They don't want to concede. They they don't want the Republicans to win this. This is why they want to keep the dude in office. Not to mention he's pushing their extreme agenda of killing babies after they're born. They love that kind of stuff. They love the murder of children. So as we continue to watch this thing and see where it goes, we'll see if he steps down. I really hope he steps down during this podcast because I would love, love to broadcast... Uh, broadcast that that press conference and if he does it later today or he does it tomorrow we'll, we'll broadcast that as well i'll play it back for you but all this the point of that is all this happened because of his stance on post-birth uh, post-birth abortions and it's getting hard to say if he would have never done that radio interview never made any comments on that legislation he would have, I feel like, been a-okay and we wouldn't know about this. Thank God we found out about it. Because, just because we don't know about it didn't mean it wasn't there. And there's probably a lot of powerful people in Virginia that had suppressed 
that yearbook photo. Because you know good and well that in the early days of, of getting into politics, Ralph Northam had to examine himself, examine his past, and say, is there anything that is going to be very damaging they're going to bring out on me? He thinks back, and he's like, well, there's that one yearbook photo where I was dressed up as a, a black person and my buddy was wearing a KKK outfit. So we better do something about that. Make sure nobody gets their hands on that. And they did a good job. They actually accomplished that. They accomplished that up until this past Friday. And at that point, everybody now knows about it. So I won't put too much heat on... I won't put too much heat on the opposition research team of his opponent. But in my opinion, they still should have found that bad boy and put it out quick. So we'll watch. We'll keep an eye out and see if he resigns. If he does, the lieutenant governor of Virginia would make the first African-American governor of the state, I believe, in history. I'll have to look at those stats, but when we get back, uh, I'll, I'll kind of give you the rundown on this guy because... Uh, I don't know that that uh, him taking the place of Northam is necessarily going to be a good thing for Virginia either. There, the state of Virginia is just in a mess all the way around. We'll get to it. Over the line, over the line show.com. Back after this. not my kind, it's not my time to wonder why everything all white, everything's gray. Now you're here, now you're away. I don't want this, remember that. I'll never forget where you're at. Don't let the days go by. I'm never alone, I'm alone all the time Are you at one, or do you lie? We live in a wheel, where everyone steals But when we rise, it's like strawberry fields I'm treating you bad, you bruise my face Couldn't love you more, you got a beautiful taste 
Over the line, over the line show.com. So going back to the lieutenant governor of Virginia, who, again, I think is going to be the first black governor of Virginia if he were to, if Northam were to step down, he would automatically assume that position, as you know. That's how we here in Alabama got our governor, even though we reelected her this last time. And she's doing a fantastic job. Let me just say that. No qualms against KIV. Um, he would assume that position. The, the problem Virginia faces, though, is this lieutenant governor is faced with allegations of sexual assault already at the Democrat National Convention. Apparently, he was at... The, DNC and uh, there's people alleging that he was uh, assaulted them or sexually harassed them in some fashion we'll, we'll go into that uh, more so once Ralph Northam steps down which will happen again just wait just hold your horses it'll happen but I want to go back for a moment to the abortion portion you like that? The abortion portion. And I want to play you something that I posted on the Over the Line Facebook page. Now, I, I did not realize that this took place until I, I just, over just a few minutes ago, went back to try to find the video so I can play it for you guys. Facebook had taken down the video I posted. Uh, it was uh, shared by numerous people. Plenty of people commented on it, and you may have seen it yourself. But it was a video of a doctor explaining uh, to a congressional committee why he stopped doing abortions. Very powerful, powerful video. Uh, but I want to play that for you. And uh, again, Facebook took this down. It was a it was a YouTube page, a YouTube. Um, uh, video. Was it? I don't remember if it was a YouTube video or if it was a straight Facebook video. I think it was a Facebook video that I had shared. Facebook has taken that video down because Facebook does not want to tolerate such hateful uh, speech as people trying to defend the lives of children. I know I should probably be more upset about that, but... I'm just used to it at this point. And if Facebook's a private company, if they want to suppress my my speech on the show page, if they want to tell me what I can and can't say, they got that right. I also hope society gets tired of it and moves themselves over to uh, to a different platform because people are trying to put these platforms together. Now, I know you're saying, well, Andrew, you're still on there. Well, yeah, but the rest of y'all are still on there. We got all good at the same time. Anyway, well, that's another uh, another discussion for another show, and we'll do that. But here is a video. This is Dr. Levitino, okay? And I don't know the backstory on Dr. Levitino, but this was uh, a couple of years ago, I assume, because I remember it happening. Let me see. It was a year or two ago. And he's speaking to a congressional committee about abortion, and he's explaining 
how abortions are conducted, and why he had decided to stop conducting said abortions. Here we go. This investigation of Planned Parenthood is based on false premises, one after another after another. It's time to stop wasting time, get on with meaningful work, and stop picking on women and trying to take their choice away. I yield back the balance of my time. The time of the gentleman has expired. We welcome our distinguished witnesses today. Do you and each of you swear that the testimony that you are about to give shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? And I'll now begin by introducing today's witnesses. The first witness is Dr. Anthony Levitino. Dr. Levitino is a board-certified obstetrician-gynecologist. Over the course of his career, Dr. Levitino has practiced obstetrics and gynecology in both private and university settings, including as an associate professor of OBGYN at the Albany Medical College. And Dr. Levitino, we'll begin with you. Welcome. Thank you, Chairman and members of the committee. Um, I only have five minutes, so I'm going to get right to it. Second trimester D&E abortions performed between roughly 14 and 24 weeks of gestation. Your patient today is 17 years old. She's 22 weeks pregnant. Her baby is the length of your hand plus a couple of inches. And she's been feeling her baby kick for the last several weeks, but she's asleep on an operating room table. You walk into that operating room scrubbed and gowned, and after removing laminaria, you introduce a suction catheter into the uterus. This is a 14 French suction catheter. If she were 12 weeks pregnant or less, basically the width of your hand or smaller, you could basically do the entire procedure with this. But babies this big don't fit through catheters this size. After suctioning the amniotic fluid out from around the baby, you introduce an instrument called a sofa clamp. It's about 13 inches long. It's made of stainless steel. The business end of this clamp is about two and a half inches long and a half inch wide. There are rows of sharp teeth. This is a grasping instrument. When it gets a hold of something, it does not let go. A DNA procedure is a blind abortion, so picture yourself introducing this and grabbing anything you can blindly and pull, and I do mean hard, and out pops a leg about that big, which you put down on the table next to you. Reach in again, pull again, and pull out an arm about the same length, which you put down on the table next to you and use this instrument again and again to tear out the spine, the intestines, the heart and lungs. Head in the baby that size is about the size of a large plum. Can't see it, but you pretty good idea you've got it if you've got your instrument around something and your fingers are spread about as far as they go. You know you did it right if you crush down on the instrument and white material runs out of the cervix. That was the baby's brains. Then you could pull out skull pieces. And you have a day like I had a lot of times, sometimes a little face comes back and stares back at you. Congratulations, you just successfully performed a second trimester Dini abortion. You just affirmed her right to choose. One more question, Dr. Levitino. Why did you end your practice of doing abortions? I did over 1,200 abortions over a four-year period in private practice, now counting the ones that I did during my training. Um, I met my wife at, um, during my first year of training at Albany Medical Center. We got married about a year later and found that we had an infertility problem. After years of failed infertility treatment and several years trying to adopt a child, we were blessed with adopting a little girl that we named Heather in August of 1978. Um, as sometimes happens in those situations, my wife got pregnant the very next month, and we had two children 10 months apart. Um, two months short of my daughter Heather's sixth birthday, she was killed in an auto accident and literally died in her arms in the back of an ambulance. 
Anyone who has children might think they have some idea of what that feels like, but unless you've been through it yourself, you have no idea whatsoever. Um, I know people find it hard to believe, but uh, what do you do after disaster? You bury your child and then you go back to your life. And I don't remember exactly how long it was after my daughter died that I showed up at Albany Medical Center OR number nine to perform my first second trimester DNA abortion. I wasn't thinking of it as anything special. This was routine to me. Um, but I reached in, literally pulled out an arm or leg, and got sick. You know, earlier on, I described stacking up body parts on the side of the table. It's not to, you know, gross people out, to use a simple term. When you do an, an abortion, you need to keep inventory. You have to make sure you get two arms and two legs and all the pieces. If you don't, your patient's going to come back infected, bleeding, or dead. Um, so I soldiered on and finished that abortion. And I know it sounds, as I said, hard for people to believe, but I'm, I'm telling you straight up my experience. You know, after over 1,200 abortions, first and second trimester up to 24 weeks and all the rest of it, and being very dedicated to it, for the first time in my life, I really looked. I really looked at that pile of body parts on the side of the table. And I didn't see her wonderful right to choose, and I didn't see all the money I just made. All I could see was somebody's son or daughter. And I stopped doing late-term abortions after that, and several months later stopped doing all abortions. Thank you. There you go. That was um, that was a first-hand account from a doctor that performed, as he said, uh, over 1,200 abortions. Now, this is a situation, this is an issue that the American people don't need to forget about. Yes, the blackface photo has stirred calls for the Virginia governor to resign. And it's important that he step down and people continue to press him to step down. Because picturing yourself with blackface or wearing a Klan outfit is a horrible, racist thing to do. But no matter how bad you think racism is and how damaging you feel like racism is, racism, wearing blackface, wearing a Klan outfit, being stupid and mature and making a bad decision does not even come close to comparing the results of an abortion. Racism's not even as close to being as bad as an abortion. Now, we live in a society where nothing is worse than racism in the sense of what you call people, what you dress up as is Halloween. I'm not talking about racism of, of hanging people from trees. I'm talking about cultural appropriation. I'm saying words that are hurtful. I'm talking about using the wrong pronoun for people. That kind of racism, that kind of discrimination. People feel like in 2019 that there is nothing you could possibly do that is worse than that. But in reality, nothing compares to the horrors of abortion. This blackface photo is not even half as bad as what you just heard that doctor talk about. It's not close. 
I don't care how bad, how much you hate racism. We all should hate racism. But it's not even in the same league as what this doctor just described. It's absolutely sickening that this country has gotten to a point where the people in power, and literally a, a large portion of our country, not the majority, but a portion of the country feels like it is completely okay to perform an abortion after the baby is born. You see what the what the, the the mental image that you got from listening to that doctor. That's just a second trimester abortion. Think about what the description would be if that doctor were performing third term third trimester abortions. Or the abortions of the baby is out of the womb laying on the table and then they decide to abort it. What that doctor would have been describing. Do not let that issue go to the wayside. That's that's the discussion that people will need to continue to have. Even though the blackface seems like the most important thing right now, the blackface is nothing more than a stepping stone to get this sick leftist radical out of office in Virginia. The people of Virginia, they don't believe in this stuff. The people of Virginia are blue-collar coal mine workers that don't put up with that kind of nonsense. They don't put up with that kind of radical leftist agenda. They don't. But somehow they've elected a guy like this because he guilted them during the campaign into, if you vote for my opponent, that makes you a racist. The audacity of this baby killer telling people if they vote for Gillespie, if they vote for his opponent, they would be racist. All the while, he was sitting on, with knowledge of, a yearbook photo of him and somebody else wearing blackface in a Klan outfit. It's an absolute disgrace. It's the highest form of hypocrisy. And it once again exposes the deep-seated racism that flows through the Democrat Party. I've told you guys that for a long time. The Democrat Party is the party of racism. And they're not the party of racism over the past couple of years, or the past 10 years, or the past 20 years. They have been the party of racism. From the beginning, before the Civil Rights era, back when good old Abe Lincoln of the Republican Party abolished slavery, the Democrats were the party of racism, the party of bigotry, the party of hatred. And the only thing they could do to cover that up once they realize society is no longer going to accept that kind of thing, is to not rid themselves of the racism. It's just to cover it up. The racism never left the Democrat Party. 
it just got covered up. Covered up uh, by a white sheet, you could say. It was covered up by pointing to the other side and saying, oh, those are the racist ones. And if you vote for them, you're aligning yourself with racists. The Democrat Party. The party of racism. The party of murder. The party of killing babies. That's what these guys stand for. Overthelineshow.com. Make sure you check that out. Overthelineshow.com. Um, I want to play you this real quick, and I just came across it a moment ago. Well, let me see if I can find it. Also, we got big uh, State of the Union speech coming up tomorrow. You don't want to miss that. Uh, that'll happen tomorrow night, so we'll kind of preview it for you a little bit on tomorrow's show. But with the racism... And the murdering of babies. I've been watching the reaction of the left. And somehow I missed this one. But Howard Dean is on a panel yesterday with uh, Brian Steltzer, whatever his name is. The guy from Reliable Sources. CNN's actually got a show called Reliable Sources, which should bother each and every one of us. He's got a panel of three other people on there, one of which is Howard Dean. And Howard Dean epitomizes in such a such an eloquent eloquent way what the Democrats that are not calling for Northam to step down, what their argument is. The reason that they get a pass from calling him to calling for his resignation. Just Take a listen to this. And we're joined by Jackie Kucinich, a CNN political analyst and Washington bureau chief of the Daily Beast, as well as Howard Dean, the former governor of Vermont who ran for president in 2004. Uh, Governor Dean, since you've been in this position as a governor of a state and you were the chair of the DNC, what is your position? What should Northam do? Well, I, first of all, I've never been in this position. <laughs> I, was, I was governor. But as I a governor of like a state, this. I apologize. Yes, yes. Look, uh, it's okay. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know Ralph Northam. I believe he's a decent person, but I think he has to resign. I don't see, he just can't be effective as a governor after something like this. And the interesting thing about this, this is, there's some parallels between this and Al Franken, who's a very decent, smart senator. The ground has shifted under people's feet. People are not going to put up with this kind of stuff anymore. And so maybe they would have put up with it in the past, but they're not going to put up with it now. I noticed you retweeted uh, Obama-era health care administrator, uh, administrator Andy Slavitt. He wrote this on Twitter. He said, if you've worn blackface or you've repeatedly said President Obama was born in Africa, you should resign. The, the point here is clear. It's a remark about President Trump's own racist history. Right. Do you see a double standard at play, Howard? Oh, sure there is. They're on the Republicans. I mean, they, you know, they have no uh, morals at all. I mean, you know, the Republicans are happy to ask Ralph Northam to resign. They have a much worse guy who's uh, heading heading their party. It's ridiculous. I mean, this is not this is very similar to the Kavanaugh. This is very similar to the Kavanaugh appointment who got appointed uh, with all nothing but Republican votes. They don't care about this kind of stuff because their base doesn't care about this kind of stuff. I think if there was a photo of Kavanaugh looking like this, it would have been different. Uh, But but I'll leave that Uh, at that. It might have been. 
Might have been. J- Jackie, the obvious question here. <laughs> so here it is. Here's Howard Dean, who, as you just heard, he did call for for uh, uh, Northam to step down. And just look at the uh, – forget Howard Dean. Just look at the entire discussion between the two. Starts off, yeah, I mean, it's bad, you know, Northam should step down, blah, 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 blah. But let's talk about the real issue here. And that is that Republicans are way more guilty of this stuff than Democrats ever were. That Ralph Northam was. And really, the the same exact thing happened with Kavanaugh. And he got appointed because Republicans don't care about this stuff. Each and every one of us know, and I think Democrats know deep down in their heart, know good and well that if a Republican were to be busted wearing blackface in a high school or a college yearbook, that it would not only put them in a position to resign immediately, they wouldn't have time to come out and say, I don't know if that's me or not, I better check. They would resign immediately, and they would be cast from society. There would be nobody making excuses for this guy. I mean, of course, you would have average Americans. Some would make excuses, I'm sure. But when you're talking about people that are directly affiliated with the party, like Howard Dean, nobody would be making excuses. Everybody would be distancing themselves from that person. But the Democrats, for some reason, they don't have to do that. They don't feel that they have to do that. Why? Because of that deep-seated racism that they have within them, that they have within their party. The racism is still there from years and years and years of open racism. They used to be openly racist. Now they hide it. But it's still there. It hasn't gone away. So it's okay for them to, in a roundabout way, defend these people. Because when they look at it, they think, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? We're not racist. Remember, it's the other guys that's racist. So the fact that he wore blackface is not uh, doesn't count. Donald Trump is a racist. Kavanaugh, he likes beer, so he's a racist. It's the way they think. It's absolutely, absolutely amazing, but it is something I'm glad they're doing because, again, it continues to expose their racism. And will continue to do so. Abortion, racism, baby killing, wearing blackface, whatever it is, the Democrats are all about it. Let me take a quick break. Come back on the other side. We'll wrap up this edition of Over the Line, overthelineshow.com. Don't go anywhere.
has heard the poem called The Snake. So I have it. Does anybody want to hear it again? You sure? Are you sure? Okay. So let's dedicate this to General Kelly, the Border Patrol, and the ICE agents for doing such an incredible job. This was written by Al Wilson a long time ago. And I thought of it having to do with our borders and people coming in. And we know what we're going to have. We're going to have problems. We have to very, very carefully vet. We have to be smart. We have to be vigilant. So here it is, the snake. We need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a big, beautiful wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a big, beautiful wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a big, beautiful wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a big, beautiful wall. On her way to work one morning, down the path along the lake, a tender-hearted woman saw a poor, half-frozen snake. His pretty-colored skin had been all frosted with the dew. Poor things, she cried, I'll take you in, and I'll take care of you. The we need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a big, beautiful wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a big, beautiful wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a big, beautiful but if I hadn't brought you in by now, oh heavens, you wouldn't have died. She stroked his pretty skin again and kissed him and held him tight. But instead of saying thank you, that snake gave her a vicious bite. show.com Monday edition February 4th 2019 State of the Union coming up tomorrow and the party of racism the Democrats are lining up with their guests that they are bringing to the State of the State of the Union speech See, here's what's funny is uh, Trump started this trend of bringing guests to certain events in that situ- in, in that particular instance, the debates, 
If you recall, when he debated Hillary Clinton, he brought the women that were victimized and, and raped by Slick Willie, Bill Clinton, which uh, made for, for not only... And it's genius. And not only made Bill Clinton uncomfortable, but Hillary as well. Hillary was forced to get on the debate stage and perform while her husband's rape accusers were in the audience. And it wasn't just a situation where Hillary just happened to be married to to a guy that raped some women. Hillary Clinton had a direct hand in that, in attempting to silence those women. But that's a whole, that's another discussion. We'll we'll uh, we can go through that later. But he started that trend. Uh, Donald Trump started that trend of bringing people to those events, and he did the same thing during his the speech he conducted. I, I don't know if it was a State of the Union speech, but it was an address to the nation and in the House representatives, and he brought. Uh, victims of uh, like angel moms or something, and also brought in members of the military who had, uh, you know, been severely injured or lost limbs or whatever. I don't know the whole list. I can't remember. But he brought some people. He's been doing this. This is a, an amazing tactic, and it also for people that deserve to be able to to, to attend something like that. Uh, it's an amazing experience for them as well. But Democrats, again, the party of racism. They um. They've decided that they're going to get in on that tactic as well. The latest, uh, I'm trying to think of who. There is one representative, and I can't remember exactly who it is, but she is bringing uh, an illegal immigrant, an illegal immigrant mother or, or woman to the State of the Union speech. Somebody who was in this country illegally, okay, bringing them to the halls of Congress to sit in the House of Representatives while the president conducts the State of the Union speech. That's what Democrats do. They break the law. They're into that kind of thing. They're harboring an illegal immigrant at that point. Um, And they know it. And they're proudly stating the fact that they will have an illegal immigrant with them. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, no exception. She's getting in on the fun as well. She has just announced that she will be bringing... The elevator protester that got all up in Jeff Flake's face. You remember that? You remember during the uh, Kavanaugh stuff, and Jeff Flake was torn on whether or not to uh, whether or not to vote to confirm Kavanaugh. And so, as they were preparing to get ready to vote, and Jeff Flake was on his way to cast his vote, he was met by a couple of women in, in an elevator who berated him on camera. For daring to vote for Kavanaugh. They claimed that they were raped and this is so, so hurtful that he would allow a rapist to be on the Supreme Court and blah, 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 blah. And then it turned out on the back end, if you guys remember, those protesters that they painted as just organic uh, protests that were rape victims or whatever... Turns out they actually were part of a larger operation where uh, this company sends out protesters to protest certain things. Kind of like a, a George Soros thing. Turns out the George Soros Foundation was actually tied to that group. <laughs> so it's 
So it wasn't some organic protester or some woman that just happened to be walking in, in, in the halls and see Jeff Flake and was like, oh, you know, I can give him a piece of my mind. No, it was all staged. So that chick got exposed, but Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is so stupid, she doesn't realize that person has been exposed, and she's now bringing her as her guest to the State of the Union speech. What an idiot. This chick is gold. I know it's dangerous to have somebody that radical in Congress, but man, most Democrats are radical anyway. So if i got to pick one, if I've got to have a radical Democrat in office... I'm picking her all day. And I cannot wait till she runs for president. Can you imagine? Actually, that might be too dangerous. We might not want to chance it. I don't trust the American people enough. So that'll be happening. The State of the Union will be entertaining, not just for the speech itself. Because really, when it comes down to it, the speech is, is really... You don't really break down the speech as an average person unless you're just a full-blown political nerd but the circus surrounding the state of the union speech will be what is must-see tv so we'll have to uh we'll be watching it of course and we'll break down the best of on wednesday when we do the podcast here uh but uh that's it so we'll see what happens just kind of breezing through some of the other headlines before we get out of here um most of the talk is about the super bowl which uh, is kind of sad, and I hope that dies off because we need to make sure that this uh, uh, Ralph Northam stays at the forefront of the discussion, which on the news channels, he, he is. Democrats want to hide it. Republicans want him to step down, so on and so forth. But he needs to step down. And again, I'm going to stick with my prediction that he will be stepping down today. There's too much heat from too many people, uh, especially on the Democrat side. Like I said, the Democrats that are are now running for president, they've been forced to come out. Um, they've been forced to come out and denounce him and ask him to step down as well because they've got a lot on the line. They're running for president. They don't have a choice. So they're not in the business of defending this guy, even though if they weren't running for president, I firmly believe that they'd probably stick by his side and say this is a hit job by Republicans. But another part is, and I never got to this, so I want to tell you real quick, is the lieutenant governor who is uh, accused of sexual assault. Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, Justin Fairfax, who would be, if he, if, if Northam steps down, he would assume office and he would be the first African-American um, governor in the history of Virginia, I believe. He has sexual assault allegations on his plate. Now, an allegation is just an allegation. We know that. But you don't hear anybody talking about this. Think about when there are sexual assault allegations against Republicans. It's wall-to-wall news coverage. Here, you've got this guy who, a black man taking the place of a guy, a white guy that wore blackface, is probably a, probably a, a, a nice storyline to have. The problem is, is now he's being accused of sexually assaulting people. (laughs) 
Here's a a, a, a statement, part of a statement that, that uh, his office released. Lieutenant Governor Fairfax has an outstanding and well-earned reputation for treating people with dignity and respect. He has never assaulted anyone ever in any way, shape, or form. Now, this allegation was first posted by Big League Politics, which is the same blog that that published the um, the yearbook photo showing Northam in blackface. And I got to talk about that website in a moment because there's more kind of breaking news on what the media is doing on that front. Um, the blog in the in the post that prompted the, the the denial from Fairfax claimed that a fellow at Stanford University said a man sexually assaulted her at the 2004 Democrat National Convention in Boston, Massachusetts. The post uh, from the reported accuser said, "Imagine you were sexually assaulted during the DNC convention in Boston in 2004 by a campaign staffer." You spend the next 13 years trying to forget it ever happened until one day you find out he's the Democratic candidate for statewide office in a state some 3,000 miles away. And when he wins that election in November of 2017, then, by strange, horrible luck, it seems increasingly likely that he'll get a very big promotion. And they go on and talk about how it all happened according to this accuser. Again, it's just according to the accuser. But now, with Big League Politics, the, 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 the websites that published that thing about the lieutenant governor, they're the same ones that published, as I said, the, the blackface photo for Northam. Well, now, CNN, in their racist, defending racism, and I told you this at the beginning of the show, and here they are putting out stories Defending this guy, as I told you they would. Um, CNN's reporting that big league politics, the the outlet that published both of these stories, is, quote, a pro-Trump outfit backed by Republican operatives. So CNN is essentially saying, listen... This is just a big hit job. And I told you they were going to say that. This is just a big hit job by a pro-Trump Republican website. So what is CNN insinuating? That we should question if it's even real? Or it doesn't count that he wore blackface because a pro-Trump website broke the story? CNN is defending this man. Defending the racism. And ultimately, maybe they're defending it because they don't want a black man to take his office. Because if he resigns, that's what will happen. So CNN is not only defending a racist white man, but they're effectively trying to keep a black man out of office. Got it. Got it. <laughs> it's, it's, race, it's a big racism sandwich with two orders of racism and some racism on the side. 32 ounces of racism to drink. That's what's going on here. The party of racism right in front of our very eyes. They don't even care. They don't even care to hide it anymore.
the Democratic Party, party of racism. Exposed yet again. I am out of here. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll try to do the show on time for those of you that actually watch it live. If we can pull that off, we'll uh, we'll give it a shot. Plenty to talk about tomorrow, I'm sure. Also, if anything breaks, if you'll keep up with the Over the Line Facebook page, we'll make sure and post any breaking news that you need to hear about, you need to see, whatever. And I may even throw a Facebook Live video out there for you uh, if need be. Just make sure you like the page, follow the page, whatever. Also, subscribe to this YouTube channel. Like the video, play the video, share it with your friends, your family, your mommy, your daddy, and your big fat granny with a hole in her panties. I'm just kidding. I'm sure your granny's a nice lady. Also, don't forget, yesterday, if you missed it, my dear friend Homeless Mike came to the studio and we conducted the Death Nut Challenge, something I've talked about doing for a while. We finally did it. The hottest peanuts on the planet. It's uh, pretty entertaining. So you can watch it on this channel. Or if you want to listen to the audio version of the Death Nut Challenge, it is there within our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, uh, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, whatever. And Inc. Don't forget about Inc. We're out of here. Back tomorrow with a brand new episode. Y'all have a fantastic day. And until next time, see you, cuz.